0: You're listening to Future Thinking from Stylist, the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylists.com.
1: Hello and welcome to Future Thinking from Stylists. I'm your host, Christian Ward, and on today's episode, I'll be talking to Kerry Thorpe, Head of Communications at Ben & Jerry's, about all aspects of the company's activist mission from balancing purpose and playfulness to ensuring brand fans are engaged long-term. I'll also be talking to Carlos Silas, founder of Mexican marketing firm The Moonshot Company, one of our stylist changemakers, about his mission to help people develop radical business solutions through creativity and innovation. And stick around to the end for our next big opportunity feature, where we highlight a vital consumer need or challenge that's yet to be solved. But first, we kick off with the innovation of the week, where we showcase the one big new innovation you need to know about right now. This week it's about a new development in plastics that could have big implications for the future of the planet. Here to tell us more is Chloe Frost, Stylus's color and materials editor.
2: A team of researchers, uh, they're from Huazhong University in Wuhan, China. They developed a plastic polymer that degrades in sunlight. It's a petroleum-based polymer, but it disintegrates really quite quickly in the space of about a week. And probably more importantly, it leaves no microplastic fragments behind. It works through a process of photo degradation, which means sunlight breaks down its double and triple bonded carbon structure and turns it into a naturally occurring compound called succinic acid, which actually has quite a lot of commercial value for a number of different industries. It actually has huge potential for use inside sealed products like electronics. So a plastic polymer like this could help devices like smartphones be easier to dispose of at the end of their life service. And it also means that a polymer like this could be integrated alongside other biodegradable plastics to help speed up The breakdown of these materials in landfill, it's really interesting and really crucial going forward for a number of reasons. Electronic waste, for instance, is set to double from its 2014 levels by 2030, which is huge. So any innovation and any improvement to this material group is going to be really exciting going forward.
1: Brand purpose is an increasingly fractious subject Can profit-chasing businesses successfully put social good at the heart of what they do? I spoke about this with Kerry Thorpe, Head of Communications at Ben & Jerry's, a brand that's been a champion of causes, often controversially, since it was founded in 1978.
3: Not all of our topics are things that everybody will immediately agree with us on. But one thing that we are really clear of on a company is that we don't have to please everybody and that we know that with progression comes pushback. So if we think that what we're campaigning for is the right thing to do, if we worked with our partners to understand the policy change that we're trying to create, we are okay then with alienating some of our fans in order to build stronger bonds with others. So it starts with our values. And I think that's the difference in Ben and Jerry's, we think, in that typical CSR might do a survey of all of your customers find out what they're interested in, be it employment or mental health or refugee rights, whichever it may be, and then devise a campaign off the back of that consumer demand and then try to bring them in. And the objective of that would be brand equity. Whereas Ben & Jerry starts from a place of what are our company values? Then our activism managers goes out to meet NGOs in our campaign priority areas and activists and opinion move opinion kind of shakers. And then we'll say, what do you need to change in the world? And can we be of service to you? So we feel in service to NGOs. Whereas a lot of brands I think try to use NGOs to further than their brand equity. So it's the other way around. And we try to keep really laser focused on that.
1: Maybe we could talk a little bit about the the, the customers and the community you you build around and, and sort of through your campaigning. What what does that communication strategy look like? How do you keep your community engaged and how do you do that over a sustained period of time?
3: So we really know that we have people that just love us for our ice cream and always will. But also because we've been a company from the beginning who's talked about more than just ice cream and who won't just stick to ice cream, we'll obviously be quite open and honest with our opinions. We also know that a huge part of our following shares our values and i think ben said in the beginning that one of the biggest bonds that you can make with the people that kind of engage with your product is over shared values so we know we've got that kind of split of people some people just want us to talk about cookie dough chocolate fudge brownie and that's it and some people are really there actually to come along the journey with us in terms of our values so when you go to our channels you will see that it's quite a mix so if you look on our instagram you take the uk instagram for an example All of the team from our office were on a march yesterday to talk about the refugee rights bill. And people were kind of on marches, out with our signs. Our scoop shop had a sign outside that said, kind of, you know, gone marching, refugees welcome. You'll have that in one grid post. And then next to it, you'll have, cookie dough to your door in five minutes. So it really is a balance of these two things. And I think we've tried in the past to say, Should we have a ratio of this many flavor posts and this many funny posts and this many activism? And then we felt like, actually, we don't need to be that regimented. It's just like conversations that you'd have with your friends. You wouldn't say with your friends, listen, if you can talk about music and film for two thirds of our conversation, and then you can talk about something deeper for the other third, it just wouldn't work. What we find, though, is that you have to keep a constant drumbeat going about your values and think people see through you when you either jump on a topic that's in the media because it seems popular or it seems like it's going to further your brand image. And if you're just asking someone to sign a petition in January and then you don't talk about that topic until the next time come around where you, where you want something from them, I think you know, our fans wouldn't like that at all. So we do try and have a consistent voice.
1: And what about internally? How does this work? How do you ensure that you're coming from a position of authority and authenticity and you're getting a diversity of opinion?
3: Yeah, so I think what's really important is the starting point. So it's so, so important to not start from an objective of brand equity. Um, It has to start from what is the impact that we would like to see in the world? What is the change we're trying to create? And then you use the toolbox that we all have as marketeers and PR professionals and comms professionals to sell an idea, to sell an, a vision, sell a vision of a different future, of a different possibility, of a different way of doing things, of a different policy. So, really, that marketing toolkit is used in the same way as you would to talk about cookie dough, but in this case, to talk about a different progressive future for refugees, for example. But the way that's structured is Yeah, it has an enormous amount of structure because Ben & Jerry's has an independent board of directors who are a bunch of activists in their own right, and they look after the integrity of our social mission. But how we keep it real and authentic really is our partners. We're really um, acutely aware that we're the ice cream guys. So we say, how can we help you? Does Ben & Jerry's voice, playful imagery ice cream makes sense to you here or are your distractions so it's a constant open discussion
1: we talk about gen z being a very sort of activist generation and very aware of all this stuff so i was just wondering whether have you seen an increase in engagement i mean i
3: think what you see really that you know it's no secret that kind of brands with purpose or brands of the mission grow i think probably what we've seen is that more and more and more that Conversation becomes polarized. And if you try to please everybody, you end up really pleasing nobody and you don't move the needle. So I think now we are aware that if we make a strong statement on something, we will probably push some people further away. But I think that's what being values led means. And I think you see people coming out and saying, We respect you for making that decision. And if they don't agree with you, they might go and choose another product, which is fine. Because those people who do agree with you and do align with your values will probably then make you their brand for life, you know?
1: More from Kerry later in the show. Next up, I speak to Carlos Silas, founder of Mexican marketing firm The Moonshot Company, which is one of our stylist change makers. These are individuals and organizations we think are using innovative thinking to drive positive change in the world. Here's Carlos discussing his approach to radical change through digital innovation. The purpose of
4: the Moonshot company is to inspire, so that we there to live a passionate and creative life through different perspectives. Marketing sometimes is just uh, viewed as something uh, shining and 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 nice and and creative, and I think that it it has a lot of deep. Uh, thoughts in it. So I've been able with the Moonshot company for the last four years to help different companies, different sizes and different parts of, of, of our country in Mexico and, and inspiring them to see life and to see their business through different perspectives. One of my favorite clients was, was one of my my first clients. It's a brand in Mexico called Mut. It's a brand from a Mexican design. She's a woman that lives in a place called Chiapas, here in Mexico. It's a small town, and and she likes she likes uh, fashion, you know? But her passion and her purpose is to work with the indigenous people in order for, for her for her to help them. So she designs all these fashion wares and, and retail for retail, and but the indigenous women from the, her town. They, they introduce kind of their work in her fashion. So it's amazing. And when I, when I spoke to her first, she was really amazed by all that you can do in digital. She was uh, just doing uh, physical stores and, and selling well, but she hadn't even social media strategy in order for her to, to sell her story and began working with me and and I went there to Chiapas and she worked with I don't know 20, 20 people with her and also with plus 100 indigenous people and she took me to the small towns to see them and to see how she was changing their lives and so uh, I I helped her made her digital strategy in order for her to become uh, bigger and start selling not just in Mexico but globally and so uh, a couple of uh, a couple of months afterwards she began doing her digital strategy in social media specifically and that opened for her some big doors in the fashion industry here in Mexico and a year after she launched her e-commerce site and now she's selling more than in her e-commerce more than in a physical store now the next big
1: opportunity this is where we look at consumer needs and gaps in the market that still need to be addressed by brands, businesses and startups. I asked Carrie Thorpe for her thoughts.
3: I'm hoping this changes and I've seen it change in the last few years. But having vegan food that is not a slight disappointment or that people don't perceive as being slightly less than everything else or see as being kind of the one of treat is something that I think brands that have both a non-vegan and a vegan offering are going to keep kind of juggling in their minds for years to come. But I think we might be on a tipping point for that now, but how to just make sure that being a vegan, choosing vegan products is not seen as a compromise and is seen as something that is just as enjoyable as something else and not a little bit less than is definitely something I see loads of brands working on at the moment, whether it's you know, fast food chains, bringing out a vegan burger or vegan chicken nuggets or whichever it might be. I think it's really trying to see a vegan product as not a gimmick, but as something that is just a really tasty thing that you can grab from your fridge or freezer without thinking that you're actually kind of doing yourself out of something wonderful.
1: I discussed Kerry's comments with Laura Swain, Stylus's editor of Food and Beverage.
0: So when we look at the future of the veganism space, one exciting area in particular that we at least cater to is the growing number of children that are gravitating towards plant-based diets. Nearly 60% of children between the ages of 5 and 15 are either currently eating a vegan or vegetarian diet or say that they would like to be. So it's a massive opportunity. In the past year, we've seen both new and existing brands tap into this opportunity with age-appropriate vegan products like uh, plant-based nuggets, squeezable yogurts, cheese sticks, that kind of thing. There's also a mass- massive opportunity in the school catering space as well. So Impossible Meat, and the US has recently acquired a child nutrition label that allows them to serve faux meat products in the school cafeteria. It's a great way to make inroads with this generation. And then in the UK, uh, plant-based brand Meatless Farm is working with 13-year-old chef and vegan influencer Omari McQueen, on an online campaign to encourage schools to add more vegan food to their menus. One thing I would caveat, though, it's quite a nuanced market. Not everyone agrees that a completely plant-based diet is healthy for a child. There's research on either side of the argument. But I think education here is really important for parents so they can understand what sorts of nutrients that their children are going to need. If they're going to go completely one way or the other. But the biggest opportunity here are products for families that are following a more flexitarian diet who want to prioritize plant-based products with kind of supplemented animal-based foods. So products should kind of make this a key marketing
1: focus. That's it for this edition of Future Thinking. I hope you enjoyed it and I'd love to hear your feedback. On Twitter, we're at stylus underscore live and I'm at Christian Ward. And on Instagram, you can find us at wearestylus. See you next time. You've been listening to Future Thinking from Stylus,
4: the show where our analysts, alongside industry thought leaders, unpack the big trends you need to know about. Find out more about what the future holds for your business at stylus.com. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you subscribe to Future Thinking in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts to hear new episodes as soon as they're available.